This is Aruna Krishnan. On this episode of Leap Bad Thing, I talk to Brendan Kumar Sami, the founder of Master Talk. Welcome, everyone. Today on the show, I have a young man with me by the name of Brendan Kumar Sami. He is the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel. He started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. He coaches purpose-driven entrepreneurs on how to master their message and share their ideas with the world. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Thanks for having me, Adrian. It's great to be here. Thank you. So public speaking has two different camps. One is people like you and me that absolutely love it and you know we are energized by it. And there is another camp that is just so scared of it. So tell us, why do people get scared? What causes that fear of public speaking? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I would say there's two parts to that answer. And the first one is, I was in that camp too when I started my life. You know, when I was five years old, my parents sent me to a French school. And the reason they did that was because I was born and raised in Montreal up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And in that city, you need to know the language to be successful. Except one problem, though. I didn't know how to speak French. But my whole life, not mm-hmm. only was I uncomfortable with presentations, I had to present in a language I didn't even know. So if someone like me can master public speaking, I think that's why I'm so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So I definitely understand where the fear comes from. So I'd love to dive into that a bit more. Because no matter who you ask in the world, whether it's in New Zealand, Japan, or the United States, right. really anywhere, we're all scared of public speaking. Mm -hmm. We don't really understand why. So let's shine some light there. Where do we give the vast majority of our presentations? The answer for most of us is school. Whether Mm -hmm. we're a high school dropout or a PhD, Mm -hmm. most of the ways that we learn public speaking all start there. Mm -hmm. And in that school curriculum, three things happen. One, we never get to pick the topic, and it's generally something we're not passionate about. Two, students don't care, not because they don't care about us, but because they're worried about their own presentation because they have to present in 10 minutes. And three, teachers are very well-educated, very well-intentioned, but also very stressed. If they have 40 students to go through in two classes, they don't have time to sit you down for 10 minutes and say, Mm -hmm. hey, Brendan, let's go over your presentation. So let's recap. You never get to pick the topic. Mm -hmm. Students don't want to listen to you. Teachers are too stressed to coach you. And these behaviors get perpetuated in every subject in school. Math, sciences, languages, music, Mm -hmm. gym are taught over and over and over again that public speaking is a chore. Public speaking is a responsibility. If we're at school, it's tied to a grade. If we're at work, it's tied to a result. Mm -hmm. And if we fail at any part of this, Mm-hmm. We get punished for it. Laura grade at school, or we don't get the promotion we want. And that is the fundamental issue. It's not that we're scared of public speaking. It's mm-hmm. that the system in which we grew up with taught us to fear it. Mm. That, that's a very interesting way of thinking about it. So it's kind of like we're conditioned and it's, a, it's sort of this thing that we think about that's like, oh my gosh, there's so much attached to this and so much... Uh, potential for failure attached to it. So it's trying to get over that. So really changing your mindset, um, you know, and if you have been reconditioned that way, reconditioning yourself to, to think about it in a different light. 
Absolutely. Like one easy way for us to think about this mm-hmm. is I always saw public speaking as a chore until I started competing professionally as a speaker, like for mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. And another easy example that more people can relate to is let's say you take a girl like Julia, who's 16 years old, you know, d- loves public speaking. She mm-hmm. did theater her whole life. So most of us look at her and say, oh, it's because she's extroverted. No, that's mm-hmm. not true at all. It's because Julia's perception of public speaking is mm-hmm. completely different. Mm-hmm. So she, when she looks at public speaking, she goes, well, no, it's an opportunity to entertain, to mm-hmm. teach a lesson, to, to make a difference, to share right. an idea. Whereas right. most of us in school, it's, we don't have that same perception. Right. By changing that perception, that's how we get over the fear. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. You brought up the word extrovert, right? So people who feel that they are introverts, they are less likely to you know, want to approach public speaking. So what would be the tips you would give introverts about approaching public speaking? Of course. So I actually made a whole video on this to kind of break that stigma because a lot of my best students in the years that I've been doing this are introverts and I've spoken mm-hmm. on international stages. So there's a couple of tips that I can give to kind of explain the differences. So one, introverts are a lot better at pauses and silences. So we learn that pauses and effective ones are the key to mastering any presentation. But an introvert has a much easier time with pauses because they spend more time not talking mm. versus someone like me, because I'm very extrovert. I love talking talk, hence why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> I guess. Right? So for me, it took me years to master pauses because I can't mm-hmm. pause for long periods. It makes me really uncomfortable. Mm. So that's one. Two, introverts are much better listeners. So back to me again, I love to talk. Yeah. So I'm not listening as much to the other person. But the introvert spends 70, 80% of the conversation listening. So they're able to tailor their message to the audience a lot easier than someone mm. like me. And number three, so I can literally go on with just yeah. introvert. And number three <laughs> is that they take their space a lot more seriously, which mm. means they respect other people's spaces. So let's say you take an extrovert speaker versus an introvert one. An introvert speaker, on average, will appeal to more people in the audience because their vocal variety and the way that they speak is generally more calmer versus mm. someone who's more extroverted who's much more extreme. So mm. I'm the type of speaker. I'm a bit toned down to my videos, but if you take someone like a Gary Vaynerchuk, you're either going to really, really like him or you're going to really, really hate him. <laughs> but introverts don't have that issue. So what's yeah. the punchline? The punchline is it doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, what matters is your willingness to dive into your strengths and learn from the other. Mm, that's really good. You know, I can, I can see that because I, I consider myself an extrovert, but then it's about reading the room, reading the situation and, uh, you know, toning your message accordingly, like shaping your message accordingly. So really putting thought into it, which you're, you're, saying that introverts naturally do that because they're much more of thinkers and observers. So, so definitely introverts out there, I think it's time for you to start exploring something like how good you are actually at public speaking. So, okay. So then the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is now with COVID, we've all been in this online world and there are a lot of nice things happening online. So meetings are happening online, but yet even um, seminars, masterclasses, all these are just coming online, making it 
accessible to everybody in the world, which is great. So definitely there's a difference in how we present when we are in person, having that face-to-face connection, reading the room, walking up and down, and that's what energizes us, or as a speaker, that's what energizes me. And the online experience is definitely different. So what tips do you have to make an online presentation or key, uh, things to keep in mind with online presentation, make them effective or as almost as effective as an in-person presentation? Absolutely. So, so I would say the big difference, I don't know, between online presentations and offline ones is this idea of gauging reaction. So mm-hmm. let's say, for example, we're in a room together and I'm giving you a presentation to a group around you. Mm-hmm. And I say a joke. Mm-hmm. Two things are going to happen. The first one, you're either going to laugh and say, oh, Brendan's a funny guy. Or two, you're going to look at me, which is more likely, and say, this guy's not funny. He really shouldn't be saying jokes. But regardless, I can adjust for next time. Mm-hmm. But in an online world, you need to say the same joke with the same reaction, with the same energy, with the same enthusiasm, and assume it's funny. So even in this one-on-one conversation, I actually have no idea how you're reacting because I'm not actually looking at you. I'm looking at the camera lens. So even if I have you on the screen, I I can only see 70% of you. Yeah. Well, what if you have 25 people on a Zoom call? Yeah. (laughs) You don't know how anyone is reacting to you. So the secret is there's not really a secret, but I'll give you two easy tips that you can implement. The first one is get a bunch of people you don't like put them on a Zoom call and have them critique every part of your presentation. So like when I keynote, I put a suit on for my virtual stuff, you know, I do my hair and everything. Yeah. So like people like hit me, they're like, oh, this mic isn't good enough or you know, the way you're speaking isn't good enough. Yeah. So when I go to the actual thing, I'm a lot better prepared. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is to imagine the perfect audience. So when mm-hmm. I started podcasting as an example, you know, the first one you're on, you're kind of just there like, why is a stranger asking me questions about my life? It's like freaky. <laughs> but after a hundred or so, yeah. you kind of just say, well, I don't know. It's probably a great person. She doesn't get paid to do this. She's trying to help her local community get better in every area of their life. So I'm going to assume yeah. as if I've known her for many years. Yeah. And that's kind of the mental shift that happens over time as you master your subject. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And uh I definitely want to bring up that camera thing because it's hard to master. And I'll tell you from my experience, it's hard to master. And I'm one person, and maybe this is, I'm throwing this out there, anybody who, who can do this invention, like when there's a, what I like to call a real camera and a real physical lens that is round that I can look at, it's so much easier for me. But then if it's my laptop or if it's my phone and it's a dot, it's so hard for me to focus on that for an extended period of time. So do you have a tip on how do you do that and maintain that for like a whole conversation? Yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging. So I, there's a tip I got from somebody else. I forgot who it was, but basically it is you put a picture of somebody you love on top of the lens. Oh. So that way you always look at the, or like your favorite food or something. Yeah. <laughs> So what I did after we talked initially is I have a little small sticky right next to where the lens is. So it's a, a reminder. So even if I don't 
like look at it 100%, but I know it's there. So every once in a while I'll look. So then I, I make eye contact because yeah, it is, it is a learning because as a person that likes to connect with people, I want to look at you. I want to look at your eyes and I want to look at your reaction. So it's definitely uh, something to keep in mind when you are trying to present is they need to see that you're connecting with them and um, you know, and then occasionally maybe look at them to read, read them. So any thoughts on that? No, I, I completely agree with yeah. you. Like, I think I definitely think it's a challenge at the beginning when you look at the lens. Like, in my case, I sucked on camera. And if you don't believe me, mm-hmm. go look at my older videos compared <laughs> to where they are today. Yeah. The reason is because it was a completely new environment. Yeah. So even if I'd presented like hundreds of times, yeah, you're alone in your basement, you have no lighting, you have no budget, you don't know how to f- make the phone work, <laughs> and your mom's looking at you like, "What? you work at IBM, what are you doing making videos in your basement? You know, you got all this weird stuff going. It's very hard right. to get the camera right. But I just practiced every day. Mm-hmm. For example, like back to the phone lens that you mentioned so well, mm-hmm. the lens is so small, so how do you kind of get better? Right. I just present a small 15 second video on IG story. So Instagram for those yeah. every single day. Mm-hmm. So in the last year, since I started master talk, I've presented over 500 times on camera. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's a lot easier for me to maintain my eye contact right now right. as we're speaking, because right. it takes time. Yeah. Remember that progression always leads to obsession. The more mm. you do it, the better you get, the more confident you are, the more you want to share your message. Wow. I like that. That is, the perfect way to end this. So if people want to learn more, where can they find you? Of course, I'm not famous or anything. So feel free to send me a message. Yes, you are. You're <laughs> modest too. <laughs> I appreciate that. But yeah, feel free to send me a message on Instagram. I'm at master your talk. Questions, concerns, complaints, insults. I'm always happy for anything. <sighs> and if you want to check out my YouTube channel where I teach all of my information for free, that I teach my C-level executive people, that's master talk in one word. Okay, that's great. And I'll put that in the show notes so people can get a hold of you. And uh, thank you so much for your time, Brendan. I enjoyed this conversation. I'm definitely going to keep practicing. What was that quote that you left us with? Say that one more time. Oh, for sure. So, so my favorite quote of all time is be insane or be the same. So basically what that quote is, is if you want to be like everyone else, go ahead. But if you made it this far in the conversation and the podcast, you probably want to do something different with your life. So my advice is to be more insane. Don't you find it all odd that I started a YouTube channel on public speaking of all things at 22, Mm -hmm. started coaching C-level executives when I was 23. Mm -hmm. But I'm having this very conversation on my mattress. I still live in my mother's basement and I don't own a car and I don't plan on moving out of my mother's house for Mm -hmm. another five years. Mm -hmm. All of the decisions that I just described don't make sense to anybody except one person which is you. So the better you make your decisions, and if every decision you make only matters to one singular person, you're making the right decision. That's a very good way of thinking about it and thinking about life. Not looking for approval from anybody but yourself. And if you know why you're doing it and if it's for a good reason, go for it. Perfect. I love that wisdom. Thank you again so much for being on the show, sharing all this wisdom, and I wish you all the luck, continued luck, and uh, I know you'll do really well in life.